0: That's my ad for this Sunday, all right? Now preaching starts. Hebrews chapter number 11, and then take your other finger and go to Exodus chapter number four. Hebrews chapter number 11, and then take a finger and go to Exodus chapter number four. I'll give you time uh, to find that. Meanwhile, we'll do some review, all right? We'll do some review. We've been going through our series on God's Hall of Heroes, and week one, we looked at Abel, the hero of sacrifice good some of y'all can't flip pages and talk at the same time I understand it's hard and then we looked at Enoch the hero of good then Noah the hero of then we went to Abraham the hero of Sarah the hero of last week we looked at Joseph the hero of purity good and then this week uh, we'll be in Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll go with the hero in verse number 24. Let's stand all over the house when you find it. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 24. If you haven't found it yet, just fake it. Stand up. Keep turning. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 24. By faith, who is it? Moses, when he was come two years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now look down in verse number 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, when the Egyptians, as saying to go down, were drowned. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your scripture. Thank you so much for Moses. God, as we look to this man tonight, as we look to this man that was just simply a man, simply a man willing to be used by God, I pray that tonight we dive into this hero's life. We dive into his walk with you. We dive into his relationship with you. We dive into his relationship with God, Father, and help us to understand what it is in his life that we could apply to our life, what it is that Christ was showing through Moses that we could apply to our life. Father, And I ask and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now take your other place and go back to Exodus chapter number four. Exodus chapter number four. Moses is quite possibly one of the most well-known men in your Bible. He wrote the first how many books? Five. Five. The first five books of the Bible, which the Jewish religion calls the? Pentateuch or the Torah. Good. And that's what Moses wrote. And Moses is quite possibly, even among lost people, even among people that don't believe in Jesus, that don't believe in the gospel, that don't believe that there's a God in heaven who loves them, uh, that don't want to willingly repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus, you can ask ask them to name somebody from the Bible. And nine times out of ten, they will know who Moses is. They will know that Moses was the one that God gave those ten commandments. They will know that Moses was the one that parted the Red Sea. They will know Moses was the one that was there when they were freed from Egypt. And many people can name all the great things Moses did and could name all the things that Moses was a part of and name all the, the great events that happened under Moses' leadership. But tonight we're going to look at maybe something in his life, an attribute in his life, as we've done with each hero before him, that was enabled him to do that, that enabled him to be the man that God would use. Uh, we know that the nation of Israel last week was brought in to Egypt through the ministry and the life of Joseph. And Joseph used the Egyptians' riches and the Egyptians' wealth to, to preserve the nation of Israel and to take care of the nation of Israel. But we know in Scripture that when it came time for them to take their food and to go back home and go back to the land that God had called them to and to go back to the land of milk and honey and, and go back to uh, <clears throat> to where home was, to back where God wanted them, they instead of doing that, they stayed in Egypt maybe just a little bit too long. They got comfortable in Egypt. They got comfortable with the comforts and the pleasantries and the, uh, the resources that Egypt had. And anytime we see God's people get complacent, anytime we see God's pe- people get comfortable, a lot of times it never turns out like they expected. Now we find them and they found themselves slaves in Egypt. We know that the Jews had now become enslaved by the Egyptians. The the Jews that were once welcomed there under Joseph's leadership, under Joseph after Joseph was gone, we know the Egyptians rose up and they enslaved those Jewish people. They used them as their workforce. They used them simply as dogs. They did not pay them. They simply made sure that they could survive enough to be able to go to work, to be able to come home from work, and to be able to get up the next day and go back to work doing whatever the Egyptians had for them to do. And we know it would be Moses that God would use, that God would uh, take and preserve to lead those people out of that situation. But we know Moses' road, uh, especially from his birth on, was not a very smooth road. We know that even as he was a baby, Pharaoh was seeking to slay all the firstborn Jews because their number was getting too great. And he went to slay those firstborn baby boys. And we know... That Moses's mother had to preserve him by putting him in that uh, little ark, that little basket, and putting him into those bulrushes, into floating him downstream. But we know Moses was preserved; he was uh, kept by the hand of God in that stream, and he was allowed to be brought up in Pharaoh's palace. We know that he was allowed to be brought up by uh, Pharaoh's <coughs> uh, mistresses, and we know that his own mother was able to be a part of his raising and be a part of his childhood, and to instill in Moses who he was, and instill in Moses who his God was, and instill his in in him the truth of the law and. The the truth of God and the truth of the things that he ought to be focusing on and the things that he ought to be listening to. And when it came decision time in Moses' life, when he saw that that slave hand, that slave driver beating that young Jewish man, when he saw that Egyptian attacking that young Jew, Moses sided with his family, Moses sided with his lineage, Moses sided with his God. And he killed that uh, Egyptian man, he killed that Egyptian soldier, he slayed him, and we know that ended up with him being on the run as a fugitive on the backside of the desert. It was there that God met him. It was there that God called him. And that's where we're going to zoom in tonight in Exodus chapter number four and verse number one. We know that Moses noticed and saw that this burning bush and that God's voice was talking to him out of this bush. And in Moses chapter number four, verse number one, and Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared Unto thee. So we see Moses out here on the back side of the desert. We see him having this interaction with the Lord. We see the Lord saying, Moses, it will be you that I will send to my people. It will be you that I will send to say, let my people go. It will be you that I'm going to use in this time. Now, notice he called Moses exactly right where he was. Moses did not have to change his position. Moses did not have to change his surroundings. He was literally on the backside of the desert. He was literally in hiding. He was literally on the run from Egyptian justice. He was on the run for the murder of an Egyptian soldier. That did not stop God's call on his life. That did not alter God's call on his life. God was able to find him right where he was. A lot of Christians think that they will serve God and that they will be a better Christian and that they will make new dedications, they will make commitments when they can change their location, when they can change where they're at, when they can get out of the desert, and maybe get back more consistent in church, or where they can get out of the desert and get back more consistent in their Bible reading, where they can get out of the desert and get more consistent, and then maybe then God may call them to do something. Friend, God can call you to do something whether you're out in the middle of the desert or whether you're on the first pew of the church God did not was not dependent on his location to call him all right remember that god called him right where he was secondly god called moses in spite of who he was what do you mean in spite of who he was well we know that moses was guilty of murder there in egypt he killed that egyptian soldier well it was defense and what, well god honored that and he was just defending the Jews. at the end of the day the law that would come later on says thou shalt not what Kill. Moses was guilty of this thing of, of murdering this Egyptian soldier. He could, have, he could have held the soldier till the man got away. He could have just defended the soldier. Maybe he could have laid down his own life. A million different scenarios. In hindsight's 2020, 20, we love to do that. We love to look back at things and say, well, he could have done, or well, he should have done. Or well, at the end of the day, Moses had killed this Egyptian. Not only that, he had found himself out in that desert for much longer than he had anticipated. Moses was roughly 80 years old by this time. So Moses was now not just a murderer, but an old Murderer. He was an old man by his own standards, by the words of his own mouth. He, he, he was an old man. He was, it was time for him to sit down. But that did not stop God from calling him or wanting to use him. And not only was he old, not only was he a fugitive, he was tired. He was wore out. He had been surviving. He had been surviving out here in this desert. He had been surviving as, these, as a, as a farmhand, as a shepherd hand. He had been simply just getting by on the backside of the desert. And here God gives him this great call. God gives him this great, um, great initiative. God gives him this great calling on his life to go back to Egypt, go back to the place where he was wanted, go back to the place where they want him dead, go back to the place where the people of Israel don't even know who his name is, and to lead those ensla- that enslaved nation out of Egypt in spite of who he was. What are you getting at? Well, I'm old. Well, I'm I'm tired. Well, I, I, the people don't like me. Well, I, I have a past. You see, if I go try to witness there, that they're going to say this, or they might bring that up, or they might bring that up. Well, you don't understand, God. You want me to do this, but you see, I've got this issue in my past. Moses had a murder in his past. Well, you don't understand, God. I would serve you, but but I'm not the young. I'm not the spring chicken I used to be. I'm not I'm not old or young and spry and able to go do the things. Well, Moses was an old man. Well, God, you see, I'm not qualified because of. This. This I have a speech impediment. I stutter and I don't think I'll be able to do what you want me to do. No, God called him where he was in spite of who he was. And he called him to use only what he had. Notice all the excuses Moses is giving here. And the Lord said unto him in verse number two, what is that in nine hand? He's saying, Moses, you've been ranting for about a whole chapter now on all the reasons and the things you don't have. Have you stopped to think about what's in What you do have? Verse number two. And the Lord said unto them, Him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. Let me bring that to South or North Georgia language. Moses, what you got in your hand there? A stick. A stick. What'd God do with that stick? What'd God say about that stick? Verse number three. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. Now, this is huge. All right? This is huge. Where had Moses been for the last 40 years? The desert. The desert. He how many snakes you reckon you'd probably see in the middle of the desert in 40 years? How many? Lots, littles a lot. All right? You're out in the middle of the desert. You're in the wilderness, all right? You're on their turf, all right? This is a place where there are lots of snakes. This is a place where at nighttime when it cools down, all them snakes come out and they begin to do it. yeah, some of you do it. I am scared to death of snakes, alright? If there was a snake on this platform, there'd be a Bryce-shaped hole right there in that wall. I'd skip the door. I'd skip the door. I'd skip every other pleasantry. I wouldn't say bye. I wouldn't have it other way. I would be gone. Moses had spent 40 years in the desert, had spent 40 years out here uh, wrangling sheep, doing this, doing that. He would have seen snakes on a daily basis. Snakes would have been something that he was accustomed to seeing. Yet when he threw this rod down, yet when he d- dropped this rod onto the ground and the serpent it turned into, he what? He fled from it. It was something that he'd never seen before. This wasn't just your average little garter snake. I mean, this was just the most bad Mama jama snake you've ever seen in your life. This is the one off the movies. This is the one that you wouldn't even understand how big it was. And you have Moses here as he throws this down. Already, the things that God is doing with him are bigger than anything he's ever seen. They're scarier than anything he's ever witnessed. All right? A stick. A stick. He throws that stick down and it's something so significant. He, he takes off running. He's scared to death of it. Now it gets worse. If it was me, it'd get worse. God says, grab it by the tail. Whoo! What? Grab it by the tail, Moses. Mm-mm. Grab it by the tail. See, a lot of us, we got things in our hands. And God will say, use them. And then we use them and it gets so big. And God says, now do it again. Keep going. And we're mm-mm. That's scary. That's scary. A lot of times what scares us the most is that we might actually succeed at something. And then we won't know what to do next. And then we'll have everybody's attention. And then if we fail, everyone will know. He said, pick it up, Moses. Now go do it again. Pick it up, Moses. Do it again. It would be at this point that Moses' ministry began. It would be at this point that the little light bulb in his head turned on. And Moses would have the ride of a lifetime. Moses would go and do things that no man has done since. He was done and used to do things that were the foundation of the building blocks of the nation of Israel. Yes, Abraham was called out. Yes, Isaac and Jacob had their parts to play in creating the family and in creating the lineage. But now, as they found themselves in Egypt and as they found themselves a great nation that was under bondage, that was under slavery, it would be Moses that would lay the foundation. The ministry ride he was about to go on was enormous. It all started with a stick. It all started with what he had there in his hand. What was it going to take to use that stick, to use his stuttering? What was it that Moses was going to have to have to accomplish the mission that God had set out for him? Tonight, our attribute is persistence. Persistence. Moses, the hero of persistence. Moses, the hero of persistence. Number one, he was persistent. To his people, he was persistent. To his people, look at chapter number four, and let's go down to verse chapter number four, and go down to verse twenty-nine. And Moses and Aaron went and to gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. Imagine the pressures that's now setting in. God has given him this great calling. God has uh, given him this great mission. God has even given him this great assistant by the name of Aaron, this great one that says, Moses, you have a stuttering problem. I'll give you Aaron. He'll speak for you. He'll help you when the words don't come right away. He'll be there for you. He even gave him a support system. He's given him this great commission, this great mission. And now it's time to go tell the people of Israel about it. Can you imagine the pressure that's building? Can you imagine the tension that's building? Moses says, none of these people know my name. None of these people have a clue who I am. None of these people know my family or know my lineage. I came out of Pharaoh's palace. They're not going to believe me. They're they're not even going to know who I am. They're not even going to understand what I'm talking about. Can you imagine the pressure that's building? And here's what we would do. We would see ourselves in Moses' shoes and we'd say, number one, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm joking. They're going to think that there's no way they're, they're not going to believe. It's going to be laughable. And then we begin to listen to the lie of the devil. Yeah, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah, they're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. And he said, Aaron, he said, Aaron, gather them all together. And meanwhile, he's probably pacing back and forth. They're going to laugh at me. I'm going to be the laughing stock of the whole. Not only are they going to be slaves. and Not only am I going to get in trouble. Not only am I going to draw attention to myself, probably get arrested, probably get put in jail. But I'll be the laughing stock of all my people. And here's Satan whispering in his ear. Yep, they're going to laugh at you. And not only that he he said they they're not just going to laugh at me but they're going to m- m- make m- make fun of me they're going to point out my flaws they're going to point out my failures they're going to tarnish my reputation they're going to hurt my little pride bubble they're going to make fun of me they're going to call out my insecurities and they're going to put them on display and and how how, how in the world am i going to do it? Aaron are they, are they gathered together yes Moses i've got them all out there they're ready to hear what you have to say but 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 they're, but they're going to make fun of me they're going to laugh at me and Worst of all, that they're not going to believe in me. How, how am I going to believe in myself if they don't believe in me? Watch what happens in verse number 30. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs and the sight of the people. Look at verse 31. And the people believed. Wait a minute, what? What does it say again in verse 31? And the people believed. What happened here? Verse 29, they gather them together. Verse 30, and who? Aaron spake all the things. You know what just happened there? Moses let that pressure and that fear. They're going to laugh. They're going to mock. They're going to make fun. They're not going to believe me. His homeboy, his friend, Aaron, he says, you go out there. Aaron says, all right, this is what God said. And then in verse 31, and the people believed. Can you imagine Moses at that point? Wait a minute, what? They're listening to you. Hey, 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 God, called, God, God, God told me to tell you this. Aaron, Aaron, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. But, and now they're looking and they're going, wait a second. What, what's going on here? Who are you? Now he's probably having to introduce himself. Put yourself in Moses' shoes here. He would learn on day one that persistence was going to take place, that persistence was going to have to happen, that he was not going to be willing to quit at the first sign of trouble, that he learned the hard way here as Aaron spake, and Aaron did the signs and wonders that he did not want to be left out of God's plan again. He did not want to be left out of God's mission again, that God's will and God's mission and God's call was going to be accomplished, whether he was shivering behind the curtain, hiding behind the trees, or whether he was front and center and being used in God's will. And Moses understood that it was only going to be his persistence and and his willingness not to give up, and his willingness not to quit, no matter what, that it was going to enable him to not get left out of God's mission. A lot of us, we, we fail to be persistent to people. We let one person let us down, one person laugh at us, one person mock us. Where are you going with this? One person say negative things about us, one person not believe us. We quit. We're done. I, I, I signed up and I went down there and I did my best and I prayed with them and I told them about Jesus. And you know what they did? They laughed at me. I am never doing that again. I, you won't catch me signing up on that sign up sheet. You won't catch me getting on that bus. They laughed at me. They made fun of me. They said, You won't do, I mean, them little kids that we pick up, You won't do nothing to me. I'm going to do, I'm never serving again. Because we're not persistent to people. These people would let Moses down time after time after time after time. He'd make a map. They'd make a map. He don't know any of this yet. He don't know that while he's up there on the mountain getting the law, he's going to come down and they're going to be worshiping a cow statue. He don't know that. This is far in Moses' future. But he realized right here in this moment, these people are going to let me down. These people are just like me. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. I'm going to fail them, they're going to fail me. And the only thing that's going to keep us in this thing is just persistence. It's willing to know that God has a plan. Number two, he was persistent to the plan. He was persistent to the plan. What did God tell Moses to do? Go to Pharaoh, tell him to let the people go. Now, God, you don't understand. They're, they're his slaves. That means he, he, he enjoys having it. He, he, you don't just go ask Pharaoh, yes, Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let people go. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let the people go. And not only that, Moses, I'm going to let you know. You're going to go ask him, and he's going to say no. You're going to, now, wait a second, God. You're telling me to go do something that's not going to work? Yes, Moses, that's what I'm going to tell you to do. You know what it takes to go do that? Persistence. Being willing to understand that this plan is not your plan. This plan is not my plan. This plan was not thought out and graphed and telegraphed with our wisdom and our way. This plan has a purpose and this plan has a way. And it's His way and His making and His design. And God has a plan. You just have to be able to stay persistent to it. He goes in and He says, Moses, or Pharaoh, let my people go. What did Pharaoh say? Well, no. Then we see the plagues come on. Can you imagine how hard it would have been to be persistent when those frogs everywhere? When there's frogs coming out of every hole and every crevice and every creek and every den? you imagine how hard it would have been to be persistent when all the water got turned into blood? Can you imagine all the people that said, Moses, we had it bad before, but now we have it really bad. Now they're beating us even harder. Now they're telling us to work even harder. Now they're not, not letting us take a lunch break. Now they're not letting us take and get water during the day. Moses, this has gotten so much harder, and he didn't have the answers. And as a matter of fact, God was telling him, Hey, it's not going to do anything but get harder. Hey, he's going to say no again tomorrow, Moses. Hey, he's going to say no again the next day, Moses. And he's got all this pressure on him, and all he's literally in one of y'all's Instapots pots or one of y'all's pressure cookers, and he's out there on the, and he's. Just Just literally feeling all this pressure and he's just gotta stay persistent. You know what I gotta do in the morning? I gotta get up, and I'm gonna go ask Pharaoh again. Then the locusts come and the lice come and the darkness comes. And now it's like, thanks, Moses. Great. Now the whole the sun's been darkened, and now we can't see anything, Moses. Now, can you imagine all the complaining? We got AC in here, we got lights in here. There's churches all over the place that have facilities and we're blessed and we're spoiled, rotten, and we'll still complain about something. Moses' people, these people of Israel, were literally right there in the middle of Egypt during all these plagues, during the lice, during the locusts. They had to tuck their baby boy in that night, praying and having the faith that that blood on the doorpost was going to see him through. And they're looking at Moses going, come on. Come on, Moses. Imagine how tempting it would have be been for Moses to say, you know what, I don't understand either. I quit, I'm done. I'm tired of the lice. I'm tired of the frogs. I'm tired of the sores. I'm tired of the boils. I'm tired of all the water having blood remnants in it. I'm tired of all these plagues. I'm tired of it too, y'all. You know what? This thing ain't real. But what did he do? He stayed persistent to a plan. Then all of a sudden, after that plague of the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh says, all right, that's good. That's it. I'm done. Get out of here. Go. No doubt Moses goes in there. All right, here we go again sure, Lord? Okay. Pharaoh, let my people... Go! Get out of here! Go! What? Go! Get out of here! Take your people and leave. I'm tired of all the torments. I'm tired of all the pain. I've just lost my baby boy, Moses. Get your people and get out. It was that persistence to that plan and those people that have led to this now. Now Moses finds himself... Uh, uh, all right, uh, get, get your groceries, get your kids, get get everything you can, uh, form a wagon train. Now, now he finds himself right in the middle of this great plan and this great mission and this great, and, and he's realizing that his persistence has paid off. He's realizing that that now Pharaohs finally gave in and God's finally gave him the results that he told him he was going to get. But it took persistence up to this point. But now he's hey hey hey, you get in line and all right, let's go and everybody ready? All right, let's go and they set out and they begin to walk and walk and walk and walk and they come to that Red Sea. And they come to the place where they're literally cornered. I illustrated it with the teenage. And we literally built the place where they were at and showed geographically exactly how pinched and how in a pickle they were. Now, here's where persistence gets hard. Sometimes we're really good at being persistent to the people. There's some people at this church that will love you no matter how much you push back against them. They love you. They will love you and pray for you and care for you no matter how much you try to be a loner. No matter how much you say, yeah, I'm not about all that. I I, kind of keep to myself. They love you. They're praying for you. They're good at being persistent to people. I'm not that guy. I have to try really hard to be that guy. If you're honest, a lot of us. It's hard to love people. It's easy to love God, but it's hard to love people unless you love God. Then He'll put a love in you. He'll put a burden in you. And you'll love people. It's easy to be persistent to people. It's easy to be persistent to the plan when you've got it there spelled out in front of you. God says, Moses, go do this. Yes, sir. Go do this. He was laying it out. Go do this. But now he's standing at the banks of the Red Sea. Now he's got all these people that he's just led to this point. He's just convinced, y'all, I know it's not going to make no sense. I know we're on foot and they got chariots, but let's just go. Let's start running. Let's go. Form the wagon train, form the people. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got to get out of here. I know you don't have much food pack, mama. I know your kids are still hungry. I know y'all haven't slept in a long time. I know y'all been de- dealing with all these places, but we just got to be persistent. God has a plan. And here, here he finds himself right here on the banks of the Red Sea. And now he can't <coughs> really bank on a plan now because God didn't tell him what would happen when he got to the water. Flip over to chapter number 14. God didn't spell out for him exactly what to do when he got to the water. He had to kind of get there for a second and kind of start taking it all in. Notice Moses. I said, God, I've, I've, I've been persistent up to you till this point, and I'm looking at all these people, and they're looking at the Red Sea, and now we hear the chariots are coming. We hear Egypt's on its way. We hear the armies of Pharaoh have come to just decimate us, kill us, take what's left back to enslave us again and start the whole process over. God, surely you didn't bring us this far. God, surely you gave me this heart of persistence. God, surely you gave me this love for your people. God, surely you gave me this idea to, to follow your plan and to do what you say. Surely you didn't bring us this far. He had to be persistent to his promise it was simply a promise as Moses was holding on to at this point it was simply a promise He said, you will lead the people out of Egypt and you will bring them to the promised land that I've called them to it was that promise is all he had now he's standing there on the banks of that Red Sea all those people gathered in behind him, he can hear Egypt closing in he can hear Pharaoh's war cry coming after him he can see the fear in the eyes of all the people what did he have to do? He had to stay persistent to that promise. And God comes sweeping in, as He always does, right on time. Verse number 14, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Phiah Heroth, between Migdon and the sea, and over against Belzebam, before it shall encamp by the sea. What He literally just said there was, Corner yourself back yourself into a corner with your ocean here, a mountain range here, and the only pass right there around the beach. The Egyptians are going to come right through there. And he sees now, God's literally backed them into a corner. And he's been persistent up until this point. And then down in verse, uh, down in verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear not. Now wait a second. God didn't say, Moses, tell the people not to be scared. Moses, hold your rod up above those. Moses, now here's what I want you to do. No, now it's Moses standing on his own two legs. He's standing on his own faith in the promise of God. It's, it's standing on his own persistence to the promise of God. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. Now Moses isn't having on weight to. Wait to wait on God to tell him the promise. Moses isn't having to wait for God to tell him what to say. Moses isn't having to wait for God to tell him what the plan is. Moses now believes. Moses now is exercising faith that God is who He is. And God is going to do what He said He's going to do. And God is going to deliver His people. And His persistence to His people. And His persistence to His plan. And now it has turned into a persistence to simply His promise. And He says, fear not. Fear not. Think of those people. Those blessed Israelites. Fear not. Ocean. Egyptians. What do you mean fear not? What do you mean Moses? How in the world do you see us getting out of this one? How in the world do you think God's going to handle this one? How in the world? There's no way Moses. There's literally no way. We're between a rock and a hard place. We're in a point that there's no possible way God could save. There's no possible way. God. Could get. There's no way. Fear not. That means the plan was powerful. But he said, then he says, fear not, stand still. What, not only do you want us to not be afraid, you, you're not calling a retreat. You're not telling us to start climbing the mountain. You're not telling us to start climbing the cliffs and taking up def- defensive positions. You're not telling us to get out a sword or get out a stick or get out something to defend ourselves. You're not going to tell us to prepare. You're not, no, stand still. You know, that's the hardest thing for me to be persistent to be still Just hold on a second. When I preach this to the teenagers, I told him about Bradley and about how he'll go to the cabinet and he'll get a pack of Cheetos, his favorite thing in the whole wide world. And he'll grab that pack of Cheetos. All he wants to do is eat them Cheetos. The only thing his little boy world is focusing on at that moment in time is eating those Cheetos. And he'll start trying to open that package. And bless his heart, he'll be pulling and, and yanking and, and he'll get his foot up there and be trying to open it and he just can't. And I'm like, son, here, let me, let me have it. And, and son, and he's, no, no, no. Because he, he thinks I'm trying to take it from him. He thinks I'm going to try to do something different that he's not used to. All he wants to do is eat these Cheetos. And he's, he's yanking and I'm like, son, son, hold on a second. Let, let daddy help me. Daddy, help me. son, let me. And, and eventually I got to go, Stand still. The pulpit mic still on? Yeah, if he'll turn the pulpit mic off, we'll be good. And I'll say, stand still. Everybody's awake now, we can have church. <laughs> and in that moment, he'll stand there and he'll just be, oh, you're trying to help me. And he'll hand that little pack of Cheetos up, and I'll take them and I'll open them, and I'll hand them right back down to him. And his whole world's just... <sighs> I got my Cheetos. <laughs> and you know what he'll do? He'll come back in the kitchen the very next day and the whole process starts over again. Son, just be still. I'll let me help you with the Cheetos. No, no. That, that, I got-. That's us. We get so tied up. We get so caught up in the enemy. We get so caught up in the Red Sea. We get so caught up in the circumstances. We get so caught up and all we're trying to do is eat these Cheetos. All we're trying to do is make this. All we're trying to do is go to work. All we're trying to do is make make a living. All we're trying to do is serve. All we're trying to do is just and stand still. God's got this. God's going to handle it. That's what this promise looks like. This promise looks like God's going to do it He requires nothing of you but to just fear not. Stand still. Lastly, see the salvation of the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord. Human eyes have never seen something as amazing as what they saw. Human eyes since that day has never seen something so enormous. Can't even put it into words. That's what they saw. They saw that wind begin to shoot through that Red Sea. Begin to divide those waters and stand them on end. And they were able to pass through on dry land. Why? 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 Because one man was just persistent. One man didn't quit. One man didn't back up. You know who that one man was a lot like? Jesus. Jesus was persistent to his people, wasn't he? No matter how many times they rejected him, he still kept kept on preaching, didn't he? No matter how many times they pushed him away. No matter how many times they didn't want to listen to him. No matter how many times, maybe you in your seat tonight. No, ma- no matter how many times you've been extended that hand of grace. And Christ has said, come. And Christ said, you know, you, you need me in your life. And you, you say you have me, but you need. And no matter how many times Christ has extended that hand and you've pushed away. You know what he's still doing? I'm here. He's persistent to his people. He was persistent to his plan. For God's love of the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God, Jesus knew that plan when he came down to earth. He knew that ended in Calvary. And you know how tempting for the 100% man Jesus was, it would have been to say, you know what? Fooey on this plan. These people don't deserve this. This humanity, this sin-cursed world, they don't deserve this as he saw that hill of Calvary getting closer and closer and as he saw that scourging and as he saw the nails and as he saw the crown of thorns and as he saw himself being writhing for air and suffocating to death, you know how tempting would it have been to abandon the plan? He was God. He had every right to cast every single one of us into hellfire forever. We deserve it. That would have been justice. But he knew God's plan was for him to die to take the sins of the world away from us. he is not was, he is persistent to his promise he still hasn't gave up on us he still hasn't quit believing in you and quit believing in me he still hasn't quit reaching out his hand for sinners he still hasn't quit withstanding his hand over wrath he hasn't quit he's still holding up that hammer of judgment he's still holding up that anvil that wants to come down and judge all this wickedness that's going on in this world He hasn't quit. He stayed persistent. What if we had that kind of persistence? What if we didn't quit at the drop of a hat? What if we didn't quit every time we got disappointed in a person? What if we didn't quit every time we don't understand the plan? What if we didn't quit every time we forget the promise? What if we had persistence like Moses did and like Jesus did? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Moses. Thank you so much for his life. Thank you for what you did for the people of Israel. God, thank you so much what you did for me, that you didn't quit on me, you didn't give up on me, but you stayed persistent to pursue me, to save me. God, I pray that we see that persistence in each and every one of our lives. Are we quitters or do we stay persistent? Do we stay stubborn to follow you no matter what? Do we resist the temptations to quit and to back up? Do we Resist the temptations to fail ourselves by failing you. God, I pray that you use this message amongst your people. Help us to see what persistence truly is in a biblical manner. Help us to see what not quitting means to you because you didn't quit on us. You still don't. God, I pray that we have that same attitude, we have that same desire. God, I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.